We're in the midst of a sermon series that we're calling Jesus, Man of Mystery. Our passage of Scripture today is this passage of Scripture from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. And I didn't come up with a title this week, so you can title it whatever you want uh, as you hear it. As I was sitting in my office this past week with the portable heater under my desk warming my feet, and as the scented candle on my desk was soothing me and nauseating everybody else in the office, I sat here staring at this text. I had read through this text so, so many times, over and over and over again, that my, my eyes had actually begun to hurt, and my mind had started to wander. It's a beautiful text about how Jesus exorcises demons and heals all sorts of diseases of all sorts of people. And yet, as I read this text, all I could see were the faces of people. Many or some in this very room who have found themselves praying for the same healings and the same miracles that are so beautiful and wonderful in this text. But those miracles and those healings have not come. You see, I, I stand up here every Sunday and I get to look out on this sea of people and I see faces. I see faces of people who are burdened by chronic illness. I see people who, whose faces are burdened with uh, unresolved grief. I, I see faces of people that are burdened with unspoken pain. And then I know about the people that are worshiping online and, and even people that have no relationship to our church whatsoever. The people out in our community that are struggling with those same burdens of chronic illness and unresolved grief and unspoken pain. Why, just this past week, I was out and about in town and this woman was uh, just struck up a conversation with me, and in the course of the conversation, she shared with me that her husband had died a couple of years ago. And when she found out that I was a preacher, she began giving voice to her grief, her sense of loss, her sense of loneliness. And I guess because I was a preacher, she decided that it was a appropriate place to give voice to her frustration with God. That God didn't answer her prayer and heal her husband. She was essentially saying, if God can heal Simon's mother-in-law, why didn't God heal my husband? If Jesus can 
when a whole group of people with all sorts of diseases from all sorts of places come to him and he heals many of them, then why couldn't my loved one have been one of those that were healed? And so when I'm sitting here reading this text, that's what came to my mind is that for many hearing this beautiful story about how Jesus heals people and exorcises demons, that this might actually exacerbate their pain. Because they prayed for a healing and they prayed for a miracle that didn't come. Now make no mistake about it, I grew up in Sunday school, so I know the Sunday school answer to this. The Sunday school answer to this is to say, well, maybe your healing just didn't happen in the way that you wanted to. It doesn't mean that God didn't bring about healing. You don't know what might have come if your husband had survived his illness. You don't know what tragedies might have been waiting for him. Maybe the best form of healing in the world was for for the good Lord to take your husband home. And while that may be a sense of comfort to some, I suspect that it is also very tough for other people to hear. Because you want to know, why did he heal this person and he not heal my person? So I needed you to know that that was a big part of what I wrestled with this week. And so I began to pray, perhaps praying harder about this sermon than most of the sermons I preach. And newsflash, just because I prayed more doesn't mean that this sermon is going to be any better. <laughs> just heads up for that. But what I wanted to do with this sermon is that I wanted to be true to the text and true to what Jesus is doing here and not shy away from the wonderful, miraculous healings and exorcisms that we find in this text. But I also wanted to approach this moment with great sensitivity to know that there may be those within the sound of my voice today that find this text to be challenging. Because the healing didn't come for you. And so that's what I prayed about a lot. And, and as I prayed about that, as I kept reading over this text over and over again, I, I found a little nugget. It, it began to dawn on me that, that while Jesus does make himself available to heal people uh, throughout the Gospels, and especially in this text, according to Mark, that doesn't appear ultimately to be the main reason why Jesus came. He was certainly okay with performing all sorts of miracles, and in fact, he did perform all sorts of miracles. But according to Mark, the real reason that Jesus came is because he wanted to be God with us. Uh, he wanted to enter into our struggles, into uh, our difficult and messy lives. And Jesus wanted to reach out and touch people in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their pain. 
According to Mark, Jesus ultimately came to proclaim the kingdom of God. And when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God in Mark, he said that the kingdom of God has already come in part. And, and, and I guess that's a way of saying that Jesus is coming into the midst of our pain and in the midst of our struggles is, 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 is evidence of the kingdom of God being here in part. The kingdom of God has been inaugurated but according to Jesus, it hasn't yet ultimately been consummated. That, it, that it's coming, it, it's, it's here, it's coming, and when it comes, the promise that Jesus gives to us is that when the kingdom of God finally comes in all of its fullness and in all of its glory, every tear will be wiped away. There will no longer be any pain, any struggles, any suffering. And I have to believe that. I have to believe that because it's the only way as a pastor I can stand before you knowing that some of your healings haven't come. At least in the way that you wanted them to or expected them to or prayed for them to. I have to believe that the kingdom of God, when it comes in its fullness, is going to make all things right and all things new. And so I wanted you to hear that from me this morning, that that's what I wrestled with when I tried to tackle this text. I wanted you to know that I know how hard it is to hear a story about people receiving miracles when you don't feel like the miracles have come to you. I wanted you to know that I understand uh, that this is a difficult text to hear on so many levels that I oftentimes have the same questions that you have, that I oftentimes have cried myself to sleep in the same way that you've cried yourself to sleep because things didn't quite happen the way that I mapped them out in my mind as they were supposed to happen. And it's why... I wanted you to know that even though those things don't happen the way that I'd like for them to happen or you'd like them to happen, I still nonetheless stand here before you today as a person of faith believing that just because they haven't happened now doesn't mean that when the kingdom of God comes in all its fullness that God is going to make everything right and everything new. I needed you to know that before I jumped into this text today. It's a... It is a beautiful text. Jesus has been teaching in the synagogue. And uh, if Jesus is anything like me, and let's hope to God he's a lot different than me, okay? If Jesus is anything like me, though, after he's been preaching in the synagogue all day, this guy is hungry and he's exhausted. And so when Simon Peter invites Jesus to come to his house after his time of preaching and teaching, don't you know? That Jesus was looking forward to some fried chicken. Well, maybe not fried chicken. <laughs> Jesus was looking forward to a great meal and maybe, just maybe, even a nap in the recliner. And when Simon invites Jesus to his home, 
I'm guessing that Simon didn't just invite Jesus because it was the hospitable thing to do. I'm imagining that Simon didn't invite Jesus just because he knew there was going to be a great meal served after a long day of teaching and preaching and that there just might be an empty recliner somewhere in the home for Jesus to close his eyes and take a nap. I'm guessing that at least part of Simon's motivation for inviting Jesus that day is because he knew that his mother-in-law was sick. And I'm guessing that even though Simon hasn't been following this Jesus guy for very long, it hadn't been very long at all since he dropped his nets on the shore of the sea and began to follow this guy. But I'm guessing that he's followed this Jesus enough to know that you can take your troubles to Jesus. And even better, you can take Jesus and invite him to go to your troubles. And so I'm guessing that he invited Jesus into his home in part because he knew that you could invite Jesus into your trouble, into your struggles, and that Jesus could do something that would help. And that's exactly what takes place in our Scripture. I'd like to believe that Jesus would have gone to Simon's house even if he'd known there was no fried chicken and no recliner. I'd like to believe that, and I do believe that because I believe that Jesus was omniscient, which is a big fancy theological word. It means he knows everything. And I just have to believe that even though Simon doesn't bother to tell Jesus about his mother-in-law until after they've gotten to the house, that Jesus knew that this mother-in-law was sick at his home. And I just think Jesus went there to offer help in the midst of the struggle, to be with them. He looks for opportunities to come into the struggle of our lives, to come into our pain, and to be a compassionate and loving presence. You see, of all the miracles that Jesus does in Scripture, my favorite miracles are the ones where Jesus touches the person that he heals. You know, I am a... Um, if you've ever studied the love languages, uh, touch, physical touch is one of my love languages. I'm always kissing and hugging on my wife, my daughter, my dog. And if I didn't think that, if I didn't know that my daughter's watching every move that I make, my daughter now goes around, she wants to kiss everybody, strangers, complete strangers. She just walks up to them and wants to kiss them. Um, I'm a person of touch. I love these stories where Jesus goes in and touches. When, when somebody appropriately touches me, it just makes me feel better. It just lifts me up. And the same exact thing happens in our scripture lesson today. Jesus made aware that the mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Jesus goes in there and what's he do? He touches her. Makes her feel better. Lifts her up. The scripture says. 
And then she goes and she does what God created her to do, serve other people. Now, I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, preacher. Don't you reinforce those stereotypes of women just going around serving a bunch of men. That may be what's going on here. I don't know. But I know this, that later in the Gospel of Mark, when James and John are arguing about who's going to be the greatest apostle, who's going to be the greatest disciple, do you know what Jesus says to them? If you want to be great, you know what you got to be? A servant. You've got to serve other people. This woman may have been just doing the stereotypical stuff that women were supposed to do their day, but I don't miss it, folks. Don't miss it. I think that this woman, having been lifted up and is feeling better because of Jesus, she's doing what all of us were created to do. Be a servant. Serve other people. Now, other people come. Jesus heals them. It seems to me that in the process of this story, that this is where the light bulb begins to go off for Jesus. He realizes that these people are coming to him not because they love him, not because they want to hear about the kingdom of God that, it, that has come, that is coming, and that is still in the process of coming. They, I think Jesus gets... An idea that these people aren't coming for those reasons. They're coming because of what Jesus can do for them. And I think it sort of grieves the heart of Jesus. He, he, can, he does heal them. He continues to heal many of them who are possessed by demons. Many of them that have all sorts of illnesses. But I, I can't help but wonder if the next morning, one of the reasons why Jesus gets up before dark and he goes and finds a quiet place to pray is because it just grieves his heart that the only reason these people are coming is because of what they think Jesus can do for them. And I wonder if he's struggling with this popularity that he's having and this pressure to just keep being this miracle worker all the time. And in fact, when Simon and the disciples come out and find him, that's exactly what they want him to be. They want him to go back in town and keep doing all these miracles and all of these healings. But Jesus realizes that while he's willing and able to bring healing and to do miracles, that ultimately why he came was to enter into the messiness of our lives, to lift us up, to touch us, and to tell us about the kingdom of God. A kingdom of God that in its fullness will be all about wiping every tear from our eyes and end all the struggles and the strife and the pain. There's a mystery here why Jesus doesn't heal everyone. And yet all of the people that are gathered here this morning in this place and watching online, you're not here because of the healings that Jesus did. You are here because of the preaching and the teaching that Jesus did. You are here because Jesus is God with us. God entering into our lives, into our pain, into our sadness, into our grief. Desiring to come to our aid and to our rescue, to offer us help and to offer us healing. We're here this morning because even if 
the miracles and the healings that we have prayed for haven't come. We believe that one day Jesus will make all things right and all things new. And that's why we have faith. That's why we keep on keeping on. And so I'm going to tell you, if you are in need of a healing, I'm going to pray for it with boldness and with high expectation that God is going to move. But if it doesn't happen, I'm going to pray that you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is at work. That God has come to be with you in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your grief. And that God will make one day all things new and right. And I'm going to pray that somehow, some way, that gives you peace.